Welcome to today's podcast from Coastline Calvary Chapel in Gulf Breeze, Florida. We hope this message encourages you and brings light into your life. First uh, Corinthians chapter 13 is where we're going to be this morning. If we haven't been yet introduced, my name is Neil. I serve as one of our servant leader pastors here and um, it's just a joy to be with you guys this morning. We are going to be kind of in, I guess this is part three of a message series we started and our focus this morning is right up there, loving God. We've been doing this message series where we've kind of been talking about our values and what I would call our missional mandates and our overall vision of who we are as a church fellowship. And it started with a message entitled 1041, 10 values, four missional mandates, one vision. And then last week, Pastor John, you say, well, who's that? That's the guy that was just up here that was talking at you. That was, that was Pastor John. Um, he shared a message, a brilliant message on what it looks like to live new life in Jesus. And if you miss that message, that means you can't have new life in Jesus. You'll never experience it. No, I would just say that like, I would encourage you to check it out online or on the podcast or in, in whatever way you're able to access that content online, a YouTube or something like that. Um, just a really great message, not just because it's Pastor John sharing about new life, but what he did in that message was so brilliant. He, he shared the how. See, the brilliance is in the how. Everybody can talk about what. Oh, what if we did this? And what if we did that? Blah, 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 blah. And blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of those guys, man. Usually they're on the beach with holding something, right? Like, they can tell you all about something. But the how, that's how things get done. And last week, Pastor John shared with us, this is how you can actually step into living life to the fullest. Does anyone want to live life to the fullest? You want to get the most out of life? Okay, so you should have listened to that message, man. That was last week. Well, this morning, we're talking a little bit about being in love. Does anyone want to be in love? Oh, a few non-shy people. Okay, well, the reality is, You've been created to experience deep, satisfying fulfillment. It's what you've been created for. It's what you're designed for. You kind of begin to awaken to that when you first open your eyes and see mom and dad or whoever that is. And you're designed for deep, satisfying relational fulfillment. That's who you are. You're created to have somebody pursue you. You're created to have someone pursue your heart and to know you so well that's your love to the brim of your capacity. Listen, that's what you long for. You want to be pursued. You want someone to show some interest. You're created to have confidence. I am? Yeah. Confidence that everything that happens in life is truly father-filtered. And whether hell or high water, traffic, accident, or smooth sailing, God's in control. I can trust him. You can't earn that with any kind of academic degrees, athletic accomplishments, or monetary gain. Does nothing for you in that realm. And you're created to know that nothing can separate you from the one with whom you're in love. That's what you're designed for. That's what you ache for. It's what you yearn for. It's what you long for. You may not be able to articulate it, but it resonates with you. See, 
Let me share with you the dream. Here's the dream of our church. Our dream is to be a community of people who live new life in Jesus. The purpose of life is to live. That's why suicide is counterintuitive. The purpose of life is to live. Therefore, the enemy will seek to get the young to not live. Where do they live? In their world. Not in somebody else's world. Not in this over there. Right where they are. You live, you be present. This is the dream. That there would be a community who's actually living new life in Jesus. That that's where it exudes from. This is the dream. That there would be a community who loves God right there in their world. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, right now. The dream is to see a community connected together right there in their world. The dream is to see you live consciously on purpose and helping others learn and live like Jesus right there in your world. There's no such thing as, oh, this is Christianity and this is business. Everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. Everything is worship. Business is just where it gets real. So that's where you really show who you are. This morning, I want to share my heart on this simple topic of loving God. Now listen to this statistic. The word love appears 300 times in the King James Bible. 348 times in the New American Standard, 551 times in the New International Version, and 538 times in the Revised Standard Version. So we're going to break down every single one of those verses today. No, man, like that's, that's not today. This is a sermon. This isn't like seminary. I can't do all that. This will not be an exhaustive study on loving God. So when you, you just be prepared to be disappointed if you thought that's what we're going to learn today. No, you're not, man. That's your whole life, like learning how to love God. Here's what I can do this morning. I can tell you why this statement, loving God, why this statement and how we as a community, listen to this, can rhythmically and strategically structure our days so that we're positioning ourselves to receive and to express love. There's a plan, there's a strategy, there's a way to do that. To strategically structure your week so that you can both receive and give and be in love and pursued and fulfilled and satisfied. There is a way. I didn't write the book. I'm just here to relay it to you. You say, well, how do you do that? I think I can share that with you today. But I'm going to need some help. Father, I pray that you would help us to learn and live your word. Please help me to communicate clearly. Please don't help me. I don't want to communicate caustically. I want to communicate compassionately. But please let me communicate truth. I'm going to need help in that, Jesus. So I pray for your help. You said that the Holy Spirit was a comforter. 
and that he would come alongside. So I pray right now in this room and online and on at a later time if someone's listening, that you by your spirit would quicken this. You'd make this alive in our hearts. Please diffuse distraction and despair and help us now to discover who you are, to develop that and to deploy that. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians 13 is a phenomenal section of scripture. The church in Corinth, they defined love as basically this. You ever heard this phrase? Love is love, man. You think that's new? That's first century philosophy, man. Everything has been rewrapped and repackaged. Bell bottoms will probably come back. You know, that, that van that he was talking about with carpet? People are doing that. They got a sprinter van and they're like, they're just, it's just nicer looking now, but they're still doing it, man. Like, everything circles back philosophically and in false religion. Well, Paul knew that. And his audience was this group of Christians in this gnarly city called Corinth where there were so many distractions. So he shares about love. But see, love is not primary. Life is. New life is where you start. You don't start pursuing love. You start pursuing life. Because if you try to get into a relationship with someone and try and say, hey, can you fill my life? Marriage is not two 50% people that are trying to fill one another. It's 200% people that are trying to partner together. Your marriage partner is not the one you're designed to be in love with. Your marriage partner is your marriage partner with whom you do life with and you are in love with, but your ultimate satisfier is Jesus. See, this vertical relationship is where you get satisfied. These horizontal relationships is where you get encouraged. If you get that mistaken, prepare to be bored. Prepare to be disappointed. Prepare for the uh, butterflies, I guess it's called, to go away. But if you get the vertical right and you get the horizontal right, it's just like you get more butterflies. It's the way it works. See, new life begins once you're born again. It does not begin once you're born. That's just life. I don't want that, man. That's too small. I want new life. Well, new life comes when you're born again. Don't believe me? Read Nick at night, John chapter 3. John 3, 16, and especially verse 15. When you're born again, it's when new life begins with Jesus. How does that begin? In response to the gospel. That's where new life begins. It does not come by looking into yourself and healing yourself. That's Eastern mystic religion. That is fails in the basic laws of logic. Where does it begin? Confession and repentance of sin and confession and reception of Jesus. That's where new life begins. Some of your friends, some of your family members are not there. May I have your attention? May I see your eyes? Would you please share the gospel with them? Stop letting fear keep you from that. You are the vehicle for the gospel to your world. I'm asking you, please preach the gospel. It is the calling upon your life. Perhaps God is sovereign in the family he puts you in. 
Perhaps the first people that need to hear the gospel from your lips are your own brothers and sisters and cousins and aunties and uncles and grandmothers and grandfathers. Perhaps. Perhaps God is bigger than you think he is. You see, confession and repentance, confession and reception is the first step to new life in Jesus. And then it's baptism. That's your next step. You say, what do you mean? What's baptism? Baptism, I had a mentor once give me 10 things. And they all rhymed of what baptism is. And I'm not going to repeat them right now. But I'll share a few of them with you. Baptism is confirmation. It's declaration. It's celebration. It's exhortation. It's an exclamation. Exclamation? Exclamation? Exclamation. Five things. There's five of them. Man, it's how you celebrate new life. It doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. But baptism is the way to exclaim it. Baptism is the way to affirm it. Baptism is the way to share it. If you haven't been baptized, I want you to meet with Tabitha at the Connect desk right after this service and say, sign me up. So that's my next step. See, then you begin to grow. You begin to, to kind of experience this whole new life. Life to the fullest, John 10.10. 10. And you begin to experience a life of grace. I had a mentor, a professor once tell me, Neil, the grace of God is like a loaf of bread. Salvation is just the first slice. There's so much more grace to experience throughout the rest of your days. We are saved by grace and we live by grace. So what does this lifestyle, this journey, this apprenticeship of Jesus look like? What's the defining characteristic? Listen to the words of Jesus as a teenager. What do you mean? You know when Jesus said when he was a teenager? No. Listen to the words of Jesus when a teenager, John, was a part of his crew. He became known as the Apostle of John. But he recorded some of Jesus' words. In the Gospel of John, found in the New Testament, it's the fourth book, the 13th chapter, the 35th verse, says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Okay, pop quiz, just to see who's not yet asleep. What will prove to the world that you're a disciple of Jesus? Love for one another. Love for who? One another. One another. Wait, I thought it was love for your political candidate. That doesn't prove you're Jesus' guy. I, I thought it was love for... Your certain theological framework. Nope. Love for one another. Elsewhere, there's this other guy, this guy that nobody liked. Anyone ever been that guy? I've been that guy. Sometimes I'm always that guy. This guy named Matthew. He was a tax collector. You know what Matthew records Jesus saying in Matthew 22? It's the first book of the New Testament. In the 37th verse of chapter 22, Jesus says, here's the greatest thing you can do with your life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. How much is all? It's all. Love God with all your soul. How much is all? Love God with all your mind. How much is all? Love God with all your strength. Wait, doesn't that leave room for me to go get mine? doesn't. Doesn't that leave room for my dreams? No, it doesn't. Doesn't that leave room for my passions? Uh, no, because all is all, and that's all all means. 
What are you saying? I'm saying you've asked the wrong question. What do you mean? So many people ask, what's God's will for my life? Wrong question. When you ask the wrong question, you're going to get the wrong answer. The right question is what is God's will and how does my life accomplish that? And then you've moved where most American Christians have not moved from a me to a we. Here's the deal, man. You're in COVID culture, right? So you want to know what's going on in my circles right now? Why is an in-person gathering even a thing? We can do it well online. Well, there's about a thousand reasons for that, and I'll give you one. Because Christianity is about we, not me. You ever met a perpetual church shopper? You say, what's that person? Well, they eventually hang out at a church long enough to find out that it's not heaven. And there's something they don't like. Well, well, well. There's always that, man. It ain't heaven till it's heaven. And here's why an in-person gathering matters. Because on the first day of the week, you should give God your best. Jesus rose from the dead. The least you can do is get out of bed <laughs> and gather with the people that he died for. Maybe not for your own consumeristic wants. Say, what do you mean? Maybe you're there for somebody else. Maybe you're not there to sit back and go, man, that coffee just, you know, that light, did you see it move? I saw it move. Did you see it move? That distracted me. I'm stumbled. The message was like six seconds longer than it should be. Or there wasn't quite enough illustrations. Or, you know, they're just not really doing missions right. Small groups, they're full. How could that be? Poor planning. Listen, man. There's always something to complain about. And a complainer will always find something to complain about. That's how you know they're a complainer. Because they always complain. And you know how they complain? They tack it. Thoughts, attitudes, and choices. Because that shows me who you are. Thoughts, attitudes, and choices. I'm a terrible boxer. People used to think I was really good. Because I organized this group. And it started with two, and then it grew to 60, and then it grew to like 120. And we were boxing. And we'd get the inner light surf shop managers to box each other. That's how you get 120 people to show up. <laughs> and you do this boxing thing, and I was the organizer of it. So everybody thought I was Tyler Durden. Everyone thought that I was the guy to beat. And I'm not. Like, I'm not the best boxer. I'm just the organizer. So everyone's like, well, I want to fight Neil. Because, you know, when you're a fighter, you I want to fight the best. Like, I'm not the best. Like, <laughs> there's other guys. I just know how to put this together and this together and get something going. That's what I know how to do. Um, that doesn't mean I'm the best fighter, man. But I say all that to say this. Jesus said the greatest thing that you could do is to love. And this morning... That's why love is first and foremost on our list. Listen, let me have your attention. Let me see your eyes. To be a loving community who loves God, that's the telltale sign that you belong to Jesus. Not a legalistic religion about God, but a loving relationship with God. That's what Jesus bled for. The enemy twisted it and made it a legalistic religion about God. But blood was spilled, not for cold, dead religion, but for blood-bought intimacy. And some of us exchange blood, 
bought intimacy with your designer for cold, dead religion. And you're confused because you say, well, you know, do, 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 do the right thing, do the right thing. Legalistic religion about God or loving relationship with God? Which do you want? You'll evidence that through your attitudes and through your choices. It is about love. Why should we love? Is this what this is about? Like when you show up to a gathering, you're here to kind of pursue after God. God, here I am. Love me. God, here I am. Forgive me. God, here I am. Do you see me, God? Do you see me, God? Do you see me, God? No. What do you mean? We are not here to run down the heart of God. Why? Read the Bible. 1 John 4.10 says this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to take away our sins. 1 John 4.19, we love him. Because like the Lego movie says, everything is awesome. No. (laughs) We love him because he first loved us. Let me share something with you. And I know this will be offensive. And you may say, I'm not your friend. To be honest with you, I already have a friend. Her name's Cece. I don't need you to be my friend. I got a friend. Like, here's the Bible. This is what it says. You're not that awesome. God doesn't need you. But he wants you. He wants you, but he doesn't need you. He wants you. He wants relationship with you. See, there is this dynamic in relationships when you meet a needy person. You ever met those people? Like where you're trying to kick rocks and to fill that Grand Canyon of the whole of their heart. And it's like, this is never going to fill, man. I'm just keep giving you time. Needy people are exhausting. But people that come alongside and say, I I just want relationship. I don't have to have it. That's when you're like, oh, I want to hang out with you. (laughs) You're not going to drain me. There's drainers and there's dreamers. And you know who those people are. There's people that when they show up or their text or whatever, they're like, oh, this is a drainer. I'm going to leave this conversation like less than how I stepped into it. I want to hang around dreamers. You say, what do you mean by that? That when I encounter your presence, I like feel encouraged. <laughs> I feel lifted up. Yeah, you may recognize an issue, but you have a solution. Anyone can point out problems. You're not that smart. What, what, a smart person goes, hey, here's a challenge. And here's like 18 pathways to solve it. Pick the best one. I think it's this one. Oh, thank you. You thought this through. That's the way forward. See, here's the deal. You may ask, I understand the why, Neil, but what is love, right? Night the Roxbury. What is love? Well, look at 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 says this. This is Paul writing to a church that's way off kilter. He said, if I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but did not love others, I would only be a noising gong or clanging cymbal. Sometimes isn't greatness measured by the marketing strategy? Like, look at how well they speak the language of the world. Like, they know how to get everywhere. This is what he says. But if you didn't love others, you're lame. You're like Charlie Brown's parents. You're like walking over to that cymbal and just banging it. That's not the plan. Number two, if I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, you're nothing. There's there's mountain movers in life, right? Like people that can read the market and understand the plans and, oh, they're making the money. But you don't love people. No. 
You're not the guy to follow. Number three. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Okay, maybe it's the humanitarian route, right? Like that, that'll reach the millennial and the Z generation. Everyone wants to buy a shoe that'll help some other kid get a shoe. Everyone wants to drink a water bottle that'll help another kid get a water bottle. Everybody will do blah, 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 blah. Humanitarian? Sure, nothing wrong with that. But do you love people? Well, I don't know what you mean. How do I love people? Here it is, right here, verse 4. Love is patient. Ah, oh, my money won't do anything about that. That's right. Love is kind. Love's not jealous. And I'm just going to put an NIV right here. This is Neil's interesting. Love's not jealous of your spouse. That happens in a marriage. Love's not boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices, you know what, whenever the truth wins out. It's not about them winning. It's about the truth winning. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Can I tell you something? I've never met true love in the flesh. I have in the spirit. It's this guy named Jesus. I cannot wait one day to finally see the face of the voice that I've followed for the last 20 years. Can't wait for that day. But on this stage, in this room, online, you know what, man? I'm going to tell you something. On Highway 98, when there's a turning lane, it's like this long, and someone's going to turn, and yet they want to get into that turning lane right here, but they'd like to slow down on Highway 98 and not the turning lane. I do not have patience. I do not have kindness. <laughs> I, 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 I say things that I do not, sometimes I even verbalize them, but I'm saying them right up here like, oh my gosh, don't you see that turning lane? I'm just what I'm trying to tell you. I have a long way to go. I am still very egotistical in my Christian experience. It's still about me. I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm trying by God's grace, not by grit, but by grace. But I will say this, true love is otherworldly. True love is something we won't perfectly encounter on this side of eternity, but we can taste it. And we can grow in it. And the best love relationship to get right is the vertical. You get the vertical right, the horizontal follows. That's the way it works. So here comes the question. How? Is there something that I can, or better yet, something that we can do as a community to intentionally, specifically, routinely, and rhythmically engage to position ourselves to grow, to move forward, to fall deeper in love with God every week? Is there? I think there is, and you know what? You've been tricked. You're already doing it. So what do you mean? How am I already doing it? As the lead pastor of our church, I believe it's incumbent upon me to pray, to process, to plan through some of the organic and strategic avenues by which we can assist God's people to experience new life in Jesus, fully be in love with God, be in a connected community, and learn to live on mission. 
My experience with organic strategies and avenues is that they're organic. <laughs> this is what I mean by that. I can't structure those. Like they just happen. Like there's this guy named God and like he organizes your day and then there's like interruptions and like, you're like, oh God, you did this. I thought it was a bummer, but it ended up being part of your plan. Like, wow, you're amazing, God. Like that's the organic stuff, man. Like God does that. Like I'll just give you an example in my life. I officiated a wedding last night that was supposed to start at five in Miramar Beach. Had my five kids in the van. So I'll be 20 minutes, man. I do weddings. Like, bam, bam, it's good. I got it. I'll see you in 20 minutes, kids and wife. I didn't just leave the kids in the van. And the air was on and they're in there. They're, they, got, they, got, they got little toys. Not, they got snacks. It's not like it's like, wow, what a jerk. No, they're fine. But you know when that wedding started? An hour and a half later than it was supposed to. So, you know, I'm not that stoked. I'm like there on the beach waiting and waiting and waiting. I felt like that right there. Like, oh man, when is this going to happen? When's the bride going to show up? And she showed up finally. And I was like, you know what? I can either get salty on this, bitter, or I can just embrace it. So that's what I did. The, uh, the groom was a guy named Chaz. Awesome guy. Beautiful, like black dreadlocks all the way down to like his waistline and this huge family, like seven groomsmen, seven brides. And a lot of the weddings I do in the beach in Destin area, it's usually just a handful of people. Like, it's expensive. They're from Ohio, so like to come all the way down. And they had like their whole crew come down. I was like, man, who are you? Because some of the people in Destin, they're, you know, they do stuff. And so they're like, I was like, are you like an athlete? Are you a musician? What do you do? He goes, you know what I do, man? I help people that are addicted to opioids. I was like, wow, that's cool. What do you do? He said, well, I kind of developed this, like, it's almost like an AA thing, but I do these pockets of meetings all around, you know, the Ohio area. And I was like, man, I'm a jerk. Like, I, I should care less that your, your bride's an hour and a half. Like, I'm encouraged by you. Like, huh. I could have just gotten salty and gone set off by the side. I can't believe this. And text him, like, but I was just like, well, you know, it's an interruption. I'm sure it's a bummer in that van. They're probably having a worse time than I am out here by the beach, you know. <laughs> Like, well, I won't go back there. I have to stay here just in case she shows up, right? Like, I can't leave. Um, so I got to do my job. So I did my job. Um, but it was a meaningful encounter that I otherwise would not have had had I not embraced the interruption. Much of life has interruptions, be it in health, family, finances, whatever it is. But I say all this to say organic avenues are organic but we can do something strategic. What can we do? We can create environments for kids, students, and adults to love Jesus through preaching the gospel and teaching the Bible, engaging in meaningful worship and song, engaging in meaningful fellowship and prayer, offering meaningful times of communion through the elements, offering clear opportunities to give and join a serve team, and always an invitation for an individual's next step, be that salvation, baptism, connect group, growth track, or a serve team. We can do that. So that was a lot. We can do all that? We can. Every Sunday, we seek to invest in three environments. Not one environment, not two environments, but three. For children, for students, and for adults. To first and foremost entertain them. No, I don't care about that. 
You ever heard of Hulu or Netflix? Go be entertained. I don't care about that in Jesus' name. Don't watch stuff you're not supposed to watch. But I'm saying, like, I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to train you. Like, you've had enough entertainment for the week. You need a little bit of training and encouragement and exhortation. The way you reach a kid is stop entertaining and start training. It's what they really want. Parents always think that I got to entertain. No, you don't. You're there to train them, not to entertain them. Anyway, every Sunday we invest in these three environments. If you were to prioritize them, which ones are most important? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to show you my cards. You're not going to like this, but it's not this one. Say, what do you mean? I think two-year-olds matter. Their synapses are firing in that moment of their life. The student ministry, it matters. That environment there with the right leadership, the right room, the right equipment, the right curriculum, it matters intentionally. You know why? Because D.L. Moody matters. What do you mean D.L. Moody? When D.L. Moody would preach a gospel message and have a revival or whatever, he'd often be asked how many people got saved. And I once heard and read of a conversation he had with another pastor. And he said something like, oh, like 10 and a half. And you've heard me say this before, but the individual was like, oh, like, you know, 10 people and one, you know, one kid. He goes, no, 10 kids and one adult because the adult is half dead. Like, like this is the point. Like, it's, it's when you're young that you're making the decisions that will then make you. You make your decisions and then your decisions make you. So let's reach them before they make those decisions. Let's help them understand what life is, what love is, what community is, what purpose is. Because if we don't, the enemy will. And he'll do it through entertainment. He's doing it now. Now, I care about the adults. I am an adult. I'm 39. I'm halfway dead, right? Like 78, maybe I'll make it. But like, I care about adults. Don't misunderstand me. Adults matter. Because you know what? Every human has equal value, dignity, and worth because they're created in the image of God. doesn't matter if you're 2 or 92 or 902. You matter. You matter. You matter. Your amount of money does nothing for your value. Your attitude does, in my opinion. But the fact that you're a created human being, you matter. You're significant. Your life is worth living. So how do we do all this, right? Well, I think you should give your best to God, your first to God. So by coming to an in-person gathering on the first day of the week, you're saying with your actions, life is not about me, it's about we. What should we do when we get to that gathering? Should we have coffee, entreating music, stimulating topical, moralistic, deistic pep talks? No. Here's what we should do. When we gather, there's 10 things. We should hear the gospel preached. We should sing to God because he's worthy. We should learn about God from his inspired word. We should engage in meaningful prayer, fellowship, communion, engage in sacrificial giving, engage in serving, and be encouraged and exhorted to live out our calling as disciples. And if you haven't been baptized you should be encouraged to do it. Those are the 10 things that make up a healthy church gathering. <sighs> These are the 10 handles. These are the steps. These are, remember this little thing from two weeks ago? These are our values. You say, what are our values? I couldn't write them all down. Let me put them up on the screen and let me read a scripture associated with each value. Here they come. Number one, preach the gospel. 
1 Corinthians 15, verse three, this is what Paul wrote to that Corinthian church. He said, I passed on to you what was most important. Well, wait, what was most important? Church attendance. No, he doesn't say that. He says, I passed on to you what was most important. Here's what's most important, that Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. That's what's most important. The gospel must be crystal in a church gathering. Secondarily, be baptized. Why? Acts chapter two, Peter said this, repent of your sins, turn to God and be baptized. Does baptism save you? No, Jesus saves you. Baptism is your megaphone to tell everyone that you're saved. Number three, worship in song and in life. Psalm 95 says, let us sing to the Lord. Listen, singing is not about like, what do we do before that guy gets up there to talk? Like, should we, should we like do some artwork or something? Should we like do a baking class? Like, what should we do up here before you guys hear a message? I think you should sing because that's what the Bible says and that's what the early church did in the first centuries. But also, I think it's about your life. Romans 12, one says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable and acceptable form of worship, worship. Number four, pray in the spirit. James chapter five says, confess your sins to each other. He doesn't say confess your sins to a priest behind a curtain. He says, confess your sins to one another because who are you praying to? You're praying to Jesus. There's no mediator between you and God, but you should have community. Church is about we, not me. Learn and live the Bible, number five. Why? Second Timothy three says this, all scripture. How much is all? We learned this already. All is all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. This is what that means. It shows you what's right in life. It shows you what's wrong in life. It shows you how to not fall into what's wrong. And even when you fall into what's wrong, it shows you how to get out. Who doesn't want that? Everybody wants that. Well, then read the Bible, man. Stop looking at your social media feed first thing in the morning. Read the Bible. And then live it. James chapter one says, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and does what it says, God blesses. It's not about knowledge, it's about wisdom. And wisdom is skillful living with the knowledge you have. Number six, receive communion. Why should we receive communion? Because it's a big deal to Jesus. Listen to Luke chapter 22. He said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you don't value communion, if you see it as a rote, routine ritual that you do on the third Sunday of every month at Coastline Calvary Chapel, you're not leaning into your love relationship with Jesus. You're leaning back. Number seven, live in community. I believe Acts chapter, tw- uh, Acts chapter four, verse uh, 42 is both descriptive and prescriptive for the church. Well, what is that? Believers devoted themselves to teaching, fellowship, sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Community, community, community. Number eight, live to give. Second Corinthians nine says, you should decide in your heart if you wanna give. Oh, it doesn't say that. I misread that. You know what it says? You should decide in your heart how much to give. You know what that's assuming? Let me have your attention. Let me see your eyes. You're a giver as a Christian. Now that may be a penny. That's okay. You're a giver. You're on the team. You made it. You gave a penny to God's kingdom, not to a pastor's plan. 
How does that happen, though? Parachurch is parachurch. Church is church. And church is the vehicle through which God has decided to move. Is parachurch wrong? No. Sometimes parachurch needs to show up because the church ain't doing what it's supposed to do. But the vehicle that God blesses is you, a community working together like a body to accomplish God's mission. You must decide in your heart how much to give. You may say 10% is too much. Well, then I say start with 0.0001%. Can you do that? Uh, no. Well, then you got a really big problem. You got no margin in here. I'm talking about a penny. You can't give a penny every week. Why? I don't got a penny. You, if you don't have a penny, go see J.B. Schluter. He's got a penny. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> live to serve, number nine. I was going to say come to me, but I don't have any pennies either. Anyway, live to serve. First Peter 4, he says this. Let each of you, with the gift God's given you, it's a variety of spiritual gifts, use them well for yourself to make money. <laughs> he says use them well to serve others. Man, the reason some people are so miserable that have so much is they have what God gave them and they hoarded it. What God gives you is meant to be PVC pipe. God gives so you can give. God gives so you can give. God gives so you can give. And when you do this, oh, you have become what is seen in the land of Israel, the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee. The Dead Sea, there's nothing that lives there because there's no outlet. The Sea of Galilee is life because resource flows in and resource flows out. Perhaps you're miserable because God gave you a blessing and you hoarded it. That's a bummer, man. Don't do that with your money. Don't do that with your time. Don't do that with your talent. Don't do that with your business. Everything is spiritual. Last one. Live on mission. Matthew chapter 28. What's the mission? Go and make disciples. Livers and learners of Jesus. Moms, you've got some of the greatest platform to do that. John Corson once told me this. He said, Neil, if God gives you a family, at that time I wasn't married, he said, you know what? For Jesus, his disciples were his family. But for most of us, our family are our first disciples. Don't conquer the world and lose your family. I've met rich people. I know some influencers some of them at the expense of their family. Play that tape to the end. Miserable, poor, and what really matters. Then I know other people who got no money, no influence, no big platform, and their kids adore them. They're rich and what really matters. Because at the end of the day, that dash between your birth and your end date is your choice. What did you do with it? What did you do with it? You didn't, you, didn't, you didn't set the date at the beginning and you won't set the date at the end, hopefully. But you do have influence over that little bit of mist in between. And I hope and pray you've got something to show for it in relationships because that's the currency of heaven. See, here's how we live life to the fullest. Here's how we live in love with our creator. We just live our values and we don't stop. Even when Sunday is on Christmas Day, we still do it. Can you believe that? 
We live our values. And there's a time that's set for it. Because what you don't plan to do, you don't do. So let me ask you a question. I'm going to go ahead and invite the worship team up because we're, we're done now. And some of you are like, man, thank God. I'm so convicted from this message. I don't want to hear any more of this. <laughs> let me just ask you this. Are you leaning in or leaning back on a Sunday morning? Say, what do you mean leaning in or leaning? Okay, this is where it's going to get real. And again, this is where I may not have any friends when this is over, but I think CeCe's still my friend, so I'm cool. Are you on a serve team? So what do you mean by that? That's really practical. We have six or seven serve teams on a Sunday morning that make this happen for us. Not so consumers can come and consume, but so that partners and a family can hang out together. If you've ever been in a large family, everyone's got to pull their own weight or else it doesn't work. Can't be mom and dad doing it all. Families have to work together. Do you give? Do you learn from the scriptures? Do you actually fellowship? Or as soon as this guy says amen, you run to the door. Do you sing when it's time to sing? Have you been baptized? Are you praying? Is communion meaningful to you? Okay, this is where that friendship thing gets tested. If not, and that's who you are in the long run, not the short run. We've all got stuff going on in life. And sometimes, hey man, I can't just do it right now. I understand. But over 12 months, ooh, that's kind of a long time. 24 months, that's even longer. 36 months, that's who you are. 36 months, that's who you are. You don't serve, you don't give, you don't fellowship, you don't pray, you don't learn the Bible, you don't sing, you don't value communion, you haven't been baptized. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I know this will test our friendship, but you don't love God. You think you do, but your attitudes, actions, and choices tell otherwise. And at the end of the day, it's what you do that defines you. Not what you did yesterday. I did that 10 years ago. Who cares? What are you doing today? Today is the day of life. Not yesterday. I'm going to do that tomorrow. No, you won't. Missionaries. This is the funniest thing about missionaries, people that want to go on the mission field. The simple question is always this. When they give you their little pitch, this is what I'm going to go do. That's awesome, bro. What did you do yesterday? What did you do today? Well, it's when I get there that I'll start living like a missionary. Okay, this conversation's over. Um, Till you show me who you are now. Because that's all you're going to be when you get there. A zip code doesn't change who you are. You've got to live your values. And here's what I want to say. Some of you have fallen down. You say, I'm not serving. I'm not giving. I don't value fellowship. I could care less about a connect group. That's where I am. My heart's hard. Does that mean I'm done? Okay, let me say this and I'm going to be done. Yes, you're done if you want to be. If you want to stay down and say, I don't care about that and I'm just, I don't care. Okay, man. But if you've fallen, falling isn't failure. Falling is to be human. and just get right back up. This is what I want to tell you. There's hope. If you've got life, if you've got breath, if you're halfway awake still, there's hope. You're not dead. You're alive. So live. Live life to the fullest and live in love with your designer. How do I do that? 
Start showing up to church. You say, why is that important? Pew Research said this. Uh, this study was done in 98 to 2000. On average, 69% of U.S. adults were members of a church, compared to 52% in 2006 to 2018. That stat was taken of April 2019. What does that mean? We're 17% down from where we were 20 years ago. People don't value showing up to church every week anymore. They just don't. I planted churches. I got lots of friends that plant church. When you always ask how many people come to church, you say, well, on an average Sunday, there's maybe this, but, but really there's like triple of that because they only come once a month. Some, the really passionate people come twice. And the people that come every month, we're trying to get rid of those people. No, I'm just kidding. But like, it's like nobody does that anymore. Why? Because sports, because fishing, because vacation, because I'm tired. But here's what I want to say, man. It's to your own pain. It really is. Because this is the design to gather strategically, to gather routinely. You can't eat a cheeseburger every day of the week and then go to 45 minutes of the gym and go, why isn't this working? Well, you need a little more routine of health in your life. And 45 minutes of church every other week doesn't offset 14 days of life. It just won't. Even one Sunday a week doesn't. You really need a daily relationship. This is just like a shot in the arm every week. But I think you need that shot in the arm. I do. I do. I'll be honest with you. I don't show up to church to hear a sermon. Can you believe that? Like, how would I even do that? Like, right? I don't show up at church to even, like, critique the coffee. I just drink it. You know, like, I don't. I'm just engaged. This is what I'm doing. I'm telling you, life and love come from the creator of the universe. And God wants you to embrace a we mentality, not a me mentality. And gathering together with a community that's all about Jesus to do those 10 things is how you keep getting better. It's how you keep getting better. It's how you keep growing. It's how you keep moving forward. Because life is a process. Life is not a problem to solve. It's a tension to balance. And so you keep moving forward. You keep moving forward. If we're not engaged with the one who's meant to love us best, no wonder we feel like we got to find love somewhere else. You know, my wife gave me this for my birthday a couple of weeks ago. This thing has been awesome. You say, well, what is it? Is it a heat gun? Nope. This is what it is. It's got six speeds. It's got different attachments because I have vascular reflux disease. And so I've had 20 surgeries on this right leg since the age of 18, and my legs are always hurting, always. And sometimes this part of my leg gets super tense at the end of the day. So this is awesome, because this, I'm like, oh, I can I cannot hurt for five seconds. But that one's not working right now, so I'm gonna use this flat one. Oh, that's so much better. Oh, you know what, I need something different. I don't know if I'll be able to get this one out, but there's like this little like, rubber ball in here this one is the jam this is the one that you want like right there oh I can breathe again so this is what I'm trying to say sometimes in your week you need to learn the Bible sometimes in your week you need to pray sometimes you need to fellowship sometimes you need to sing sometimes you need to serve sometimes you need to give you keep doing all those things you're going to pursue spiritual health but sometimes you need a little bit more of something to hit that spot you're going to find it 
at a weekly worship gathering. You're not going to find it at the bar. You're not going to find it on the boat. You're not going to find it on the soccer field. You're not going to find it by putting in more hours at the office. Live in balance. Participate and engage with other believers who love Jesus. That's how you live in love. Let's stand together. Our goal as a church is crazy simple. That This is the dream right here, if we can throw it up there. To be a community experiencing new life in Jesus, loving God, connecting together, and living on mission in our world. I thought it would be up by the time I finished, but it didn't. Oh, well. That's what it is. There it is. All right, good. Yeah, yeah. That's the dream. So, so far, you've learned how to live new life in Jesus. You've just heard how to live in love with God. We've got two more weeks, and maybe you remember this from two weeks ago. I'm not asking you to do any of this stuff right now. I'm asking you to row with me. Read, observe, and watch what we're doing here. Test this. Get into your Bibles. Check out first century history if you want to. So that's not right. This is accurate. But I'm telling you, I've invested the last 20 years of my life to share these words with you. This wasn't thought up yesterday. I didn't write this sermon last night. Since the age of 19 to now 39, this is what I've been pursuing. What is a church? How is she healthy? How should she function? What should she accomplish? It's been the last 20 years of my life and varying degrees of research, travel experiences, schools that I participated in, different degrees I've accomplished. I'm giving my life to this thing, but I don't want to be half-baked. It needed 20 years to marinate. And that's done. Now it's time to move forward. And I'm asking you to either partner with me or to not. But don't sit in the middle. Enjoy new life with us. Live in love with your creator. Learn next week about what it means to connect. Learn how to live on purpose. Or don't. But don't keep playing church. I don't have time for that. I got five kids. It keeps me crazy. Like, I need this to work. You know what I mean? Like, that, 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 that's crazy back there. I, need, I just need you guys to love your life and love Jesus and connect together and live on mission. We all do that. We're all going to be happy. But I want you to understand the who, what, where, when, why, how, and the is, is not paradigm. And that's what these four weeks are. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Join us again as we dive into the scripture, going verse by verse here at Coastline Calvary Chapel. 